get a little picture of what happened um, a couple weeks ago in Samana, Dominican Republic. Let me give you a few facts and figures, and then I'll invite uh, a few folks up to, to come share a little bit. Um, I know everybody loves numbers and statistics. Well, not everybody, but some people do. So these are uh, kind of our important ones. Uh, Bibles given away, 530. Addresses made and given away, 123. Uh, shorts and t-shirts made and given away, 70. Pounds of sand carried and moved, about 24,000. Pounds of cement mixed, about 10,000. Number of patients seen, 1,129. Number of prescriptions given, 4,080. We saw our oldest patient was 97 years old. Our youngest one was about a month old. Uh, We saw 573 adults, 556 children. uh, And our busiest day was Wednesday where we saw 373 patients and gave away almost 1,500 medications uh, that day. So at this point, let me invite up Mr. Dave, and he's going to share with us a little bit about, uh, Dave was on our construction crew, he was um, kind of the point person there, and uh, take a look. Thank you, Dan. So this is my second year to go on the, uh, to go on the Dominican trip, and in the absence of Michael Dowdy, Dan, um, somehow in his wisdom, asked me to uh, take over the, the point on construction this year, which fortunately, we had a really great construction team, so there wasn't a whole lot of... Uh, overseeing that I had to do. Um, Dan stole a little bit of my my thunder with some of his numbers here, but let me, so the 24,000 pounds of sand, we didn't move just once, we actually moved it twice. Because the first time we moved it was from a pile at the street level, up through a window, a door on the second story, using two five gallon buckets, and then depositing it into sort of one of the rooms that's, that's in the building that's under construction. From there, we took that 24,000 pounds of sand, sifted it all through the the homemade sifter that you saw in one of the photos to take out rocks and debris and all that kind of stuff, and then moved that 24,000 pounds to other rooms so that they could mix the, they could use it to mix to uh, essentially make a mud skim coat for the walls. Well, for mud skim coat, not only do you need 24,000 pounds of sand, you need almost 10,000 pounds of cement. Uh, which was also carried from the first floor by hand in 90-pound bags to the second to the second floor, um, which, again, I said, you know, our construction team was was eight or nine, um, you know, guys. I guess there was three or four of us were were adults, and then the, you know the rest of them were uh, fortunately youth. That I think those guys fortunately carried most of the 90-pound bags of cement for us. Um, after the after the uh, cement and the sand and water are mixed and made into mud. Then it has to be transported from the room that it was mixed in to the actual room where the Dominicans are actually applying it to the walls. So that 24,000 pounds of sand gets moved you know, a third time, this time mixed with water and cement. Um, so basically that was, that was our, the, pre- the predominance of the work that we did over the course of five days. Um, during those days we also uh, we did some sort of general cleanup at the construction site, um, moving uh, dried mud and plaster that had just fallen to the floor uh, to move some of that stuff to get out of the way. Um, in addition, we also uh, installed nine different fans. Five, one of those was in the kitchen for the ladies that, that work in the kitchen. Um, I can assure you, and, and I know Heath Goble worked in there, and we joked about this a little bit, uh, he worked in that kitchen last year for about 15 minutes and came out and literally looked like he had just stepped out of the shower. 
Um, this kitchen has got to be well over 100 degrees in there. So we got the ladies that work in the kitchen a fan to sort of move, uh, sort of exhaust some of that hot air out of the kitchen for them. We put four more fans in sort of the, the area that, they, uh, that we ate at every day to um, one for the comfort of ourselves, uh, mostly just to keep the flies and stuff off of the food. Um, and then we also put four fans. We put one in each one of the classrooms uh, to sort of move some air around for those kids that are, that are in the classrooms each day. Um, all, this, all the fan work was preceded by probably three to four trips to the local store that was a block over to uh, sort of negotiate price terms, which, you know, with broken Spanish and English is, as you can imagine, fairly, uh, fairly humorous. Um, and then uh, when, we actually, when it was actually time to install the ceiling fans, working with uh, Dominican electrical is challenging at best. There is no color scheme over there whatsoever. Um, so if you're an electrician and you're thinking about going on this mission trip, I, I encourage you to, to do so, but don't, don't get twisted in a knot when you see the electrical work that, that gets done over there. Um, we joked many times over the course of the week that, you know, that OSHA just would, would have a field day at that work site. Um, like I said, we had a really great construction team this year. Um, I think the camaraderie between our teammates, not just between our central teammates, but between our central teammates and the Dominican workers that we worked alongside each day was, was really great. Um, mission trips, though, are, are about far, far more than just the work that we get done during the week. Um, this was the seventh mission trip that I've been on, like I said, the second one to the Dominican. And, Without exception, every mission trip that I've been on, God has shown me something. Whether it be through the work that we do, the surroundings that we're in, the people that we interact with. Um, unfortunately, one year it was even with a bout of mild food poisoning. Um, and this year was no different. So one morning after I'd run, I was down at the waterfront just watching some dogs playing in the, playing in the water, um, trying to cool off before going back and getting ready for a, a day of construction. And I saw this older... Um, Dominican man sort of approaching me and I'm ashamed to say that the first thought that went through my head was don't make eye contact because if you do you're going to have some sort of broken Spanish English conversation with this guy well God fortunately didn't let me off the hook and not only did I make eye contact I said hola to the gentleman and as I thought we had a broken English Spanish hand gesture conversation um, I'm I'm happy to say that we both left there with smiles on our face, um, and it was, it was a, a very good interaction. As I was walking back to the hotel, though, that the thought came back to me, you know, why does God, and, and what specifically what came back to me was the, the story of the Tower of Babel. And, you know, okay, so God, you know, these, this uh, civilization is trying to build this tower. God essentially confounds their, their language. And, it, you know, it hit me, you know, why? It had to be more about God just wanting to, to create a number of languages across the world. Um, you know, especially when you look at, you know, other construction projects, Noah's Ark, Solomon's Temple, that, that had such great success. You know, so why, why God in this point, in this, um, you know, in this instance, would he, would he confound the work? And as I thought about it deeper, I realized, you know, it comes down to us. Um, it comes down to what is in our heart and what is our motivation, um, you know, God confounded those people at Babel, not because of what they were doing it, but because, of, but why? You know, their their desire was to do something great, to to kind of put the spotlight on themselves. Um, you know, and and I think it's you know we, we we sort of do the same thing sometimes. You know, we like we like to get the recognition. We like to do things where where people are going to recognize us. And the great thing is is that you know even in our sin of doing that, God still uses that for good. 
um, you know, no matter what our motivation, no matter what our drive is, God is going to use that for good. Um, however, you know, when we're aligned with God's call, you know, we too are rewarded. Um, you know, we, we get to become his hands and his feet, restoring his, you know, restoring his creation to the perfection that he designed it as. Um, you know, whether or not, you know, that might be moving sand and cement mix, it might be administering me- medications, training pastors, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's a broken Spanish-English conversation with a, with a guy down by the waterfront. Um, you know, and it's, you know, whether we're, you know, abroad in a foreign country or here in our own town or in our own neighborhood. Um, you know, Jesus told his disciples to go and make disciples. He didn't say, you know, really how to do that or what we should do when we do that. He just told us to go. You know, it's, it's upon us to be obedient to God's call and, and go forth. And then fortunately for us, you know, even if we do that in, in, our, in our sin, God does that. Um, God takes care of the rest and uses it for his glory. Thank you, Dave. All right, other end of the pew, Mr. Bo, would you like to come up and share something with us? Uh, Bo is part of our teaching team. We had a pastor training school all week long, Monday through Friday, working with local Dominican pastors. Yeah, I had a unique experience, so I got to go proclaim the gospel uh, and teach pastors, and then I wondered what I was going to be doing the rest of the day. Well, I was going to be working in the construction crew or uh, with the medical crew. And what I saw uh, was very humbling to the heart. Um, So I I sort of label this uh, joy, uh, love, and hope. Uh, And so what you, if you saw those faces, you know, it brought me to tears this morning just looking at the joy that was on the face of the people who were under the lordship of Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit doing what God has called them to do to restore God's order on this earth. And so the joy that was felt at this, during this mission trip was palpable. Uh, what John Piper says is Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the, in the word and in the world. And that was particularly noticeable in the construction crew as, as the work was being done. The camaraderie was outstanding. It was great. The working together with people that can't speak the language. Uh, the, the guys, I think they particularly liked that they could tell me what to do. <laughs> and and, and I, I liked to do it because that's what I was there for. So hauling around buckets of, of cement uh, for a few days uh, was well worth the experience. Uh, secondly, so there was, there was palpable joy experienced by the people doing the work. Love. You know, uh, I thought that pastor a couple of weeks ago made a, a, a tremendous sermon in talking about love. And we don't do it very well as Christians, as a group. We just don't seem, we're missing the boat. One of the most memorable occurrences on this mission trip for me was I was in the medical mission uh, working that day, and it, as I told the group afterwards, it was organized chaos. We saw uh, four, over 400 people, and they were—they actually had uh, security guards there because the people would push up, and sometimes we had to get Stephanie Long to send them to tell them to sit down, move back. 
but it was, it was chaotic, but we were getting stuff done. And at the end of that, uh, the next day, I think, Annie gave us a, a, a devotional. And somebody had commented to her, in this place, Christ's love was palpable. They could feel the love of Christ. Uh, that's an experience that it's, it's very, that is transforming when you experience God's love. And so it was there in the place, in a place that was chaotic, but there was a lot of work being done. Uh, so that was fantastic. My uh, main goal was to go and uh, be a part of the teaching of the pastors. Uh, very humbly, I say that I'm, I'm appreciative to Randy and, and Keith who were helping me, and we would have these meetings at night before we'd have the, the, thing, the session the next morning, and, of course, they'd get started on, you know, they'd say this, they'd say that, they'd say this, and then they'd look at me, what do you think? I said, oh, that sounds good. <laughs> So I just followed their lead. But the uh, hope uh, that we, the people that were involved in that were enthusiastic. Uh, They were encouraged in the gospel of Christ. They were uh, given hope about the message that they were preaching uh, because they were pastors. And they gained some insights. And we had one of them share with us uh, during the process that he taught on and preached on something that he had learned during the course of that time. Uh, so it was gratifying the uh, back and forth exchange, their enthusiasm, uh, and to know that we have encouraged somebody in, in the things of Christ to expand the ministry of the kingdom uh, was, uh, was very humbling. Uh, and these people, I sort of underestimated them. I thought they might be, you know, very poor, which I think they were, maybe very not knowledgeable, but they were very knowledgeable of Scripture and had a very fundamentally sound base in Scripture. Uh, so it, it was a, a very good experience. Uh, so I would say that the, the things that were most memorable to me are things that you can't really measure about doing mission work and being part of the team uh, of God to do to restore the order of the kingdom. Um, I would like to say, you know, we did have a lot of fun, too, okay? I mean, what comes out of joy is fun. And, and one of the great things about this mission trip, I want to say, is that we have a mix of young people and old people. And we don't really get to spend a lot of time with the young people that much. Uh, and we did. And it, you're forced to be with one another, okay? I mean, it's just you're there. Uh, like Garner, he, he was there, Goble, and, and, and he, he has uh, a lot of conspiracy theories that he, he would love to tell you about them. And he would tell me about them as he would take my ring and my hat and then give me a, a, a shoulder rub. And he would say, I love you, you know. <laughs> so you find these insights about people that you didn't know. Uh, those people down there love uh, to play dominoes. Uh, and so we started playing dominoes. But one of the things I didn't know is that Samantha Bentley is a fantastic domino player. And so, and she's very competitive. I don't know if she's here today. But she and I teamed up to beat her son, Wynn, who was talking trash the whole time. <laughs> and, and, and then I found out Wynn is a sore loser when he loses in dominoes. <laughs> uh, 
Trey Bentley uh, was also there, and he can sleep on concrete, okay? <laughs> I would come down after teaching, and there, every time I came down, when he, Trey was sleeping on solid concrete. And it was lunch break now, so he was, it was okay for him to do that. Uh, Chase, what we found out about her, she was, the, she was the kingpin that led the medical mission team. Nothing could happen without Chase Bentley. She was there in the middle of the chaos, and whatever she did caused the right thing to happen. And so everybody marveled at what her work was, and she was very effective. I don't know, is Dr. Tom Griffin here? Uh, oh, stand up, just stand up, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Dr. Griffin, this guy, okay, you walk outside in the Dominican Republic and you start sweating, right? I mean, immediately, it's hot, 100 degrees. Dr. Griffin never sweats. I mean, <laughs> he does his work. He's complete, he's thorough, and he looks perfect all the time. <laughs> but it was a, a, a joy to visit with him. Um, is, is Dane here? Dane, oh my gosh, Dane Block. Okay, one night we got going, and there was, uh, we started talking about all the comedies that we loved. Dane knew lines from every comedy we'd ever heard. And it, it got so crazy that then Fred looks on the computer to pull up more names of places or, or comedies that, that he could speak to, and he knew a line from every line. Well, one of them was Caddyshack, and we find out that Dr. Cash, is he here? Dr. Cash loves Rodney Dangerfield, and so <laughs> he starts riffing Rodney Dangerfield. Now, you know, Dr. Cash is this very serious person. <laughs> it was like totally unexpected. How do you, <laughs> Dr. Cash and Rodney Dangerfield, this does not go together. Uh, uh, the, 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 the four girls, Harper, Lily, Annie, Anna, uh, you say, do you really need girls to be together? I mean, at, at these uh, medical mission thing. Oh, you should have seen them working uh, to, I mean, the kids love them. And they worked very hard to bring about that end and it was fantastic. I don't know if the Slimans are here, but they're extremely hard workers. And sort of what he said, Dave Sliman, uh, experienced in the construction field, but he said, I would rather do this than go on any vacation I could ever have. And he was there with his son. And the import of that is if God delights when we get our, most of our satisfaction from serving him, right? So he's delighting in doing the work of Christ to the point that he would rather do that than to go on a, on, on a vacation. And that sort of speaks to all of us. We had Dr. Lau. He, you know, we played this, uh, we played beach volleyball, grizzled old veterans against the young people. Of course, we won, you know. <laughs> I'm not competitive. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> Dr. Lau was the great wall of Lau. You know, he's a big guy. <laughs> But what I found out about him is, is, is when we work medical missions that all the young children that see him cry immediately, okay? <laughs> I mean, I, doctor, you might want to change your eyeglass prescription or something. <laughs> and he said, no, that's a normal event. Whenever uh, kids come to you, they will cry. And I said, that sounds strange to me, doctor. I don't know. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Lauren Dowdy, King of Slap. There's this game that the kids play, and boom, uh, he, he was the hands-down winner by far. Um, the kids, I want to say this, if you're a parent of one of those kids that went on a trip, be extremely proud. They were outstanding. I've done youth work, and there's usually a stinker or two in every group. Uh, Gavin had me, when, I think he was the first person I talked to, yes, sir. Oh, man, I mean, it was like <laughs> very respectful. Uh, enjoyed my time with the youth particularly. A great bunch of kids. Parents should be extremely proud. They're really good guys. Uh, and I'll just end, I think my, my roommate had the most interesting experience. Uh, it, it is, you know, what do you, what do, you do when you're old and, night and you're a man? Oh, you, you, you go to the bathroom. Uh, and so in the middle of the night, uh, there's this rumbling uh, that happened. I was asleep, so I didn't know it. But actually, there was a, a Richter, a four-point Richter earthquake that happened. And uh, right when Alden was in, in the bathroom, he thought, the earth, the earth must be changing right before my eyes. And he, he sort of asked me, Did, what happened last night? I don't know. I don't, I don't. <laughs> Came to find out it was an earthquake. Um, so uh, that to say, uh, it was an extremely enjoyable experience, and it was memorable because I do believe we were, we were, we did express love to these people. We did engage them in love. We did leave a legacy of Christ, not Central Presbyterian Church, but Jesus. And so, very thankful this church uh, ta- is interested in pursuing ministry outside the four walls of the church. Okay. I think it's, it's significant, and, and I appreciate uh, y- your willingness to do that. And I, I'll just finish with this. The first thing, I, when I had to speak one day, I told these ladies, I mean, these, our pastors, I said, uh, before I got here, our church has been praying for you. Uh, my friends have been praying for you. My family has been praying for me and you. <laughs> so... And their faces glowed. You could see it. So they believed in the power of prayer uh, that preceded what we were doing. Um, and I thought to myself, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know it's going to be good. And so I think it was good. Thank you. Thank you, Bo. Leave it to Bo to... He's writing Dangerfield in a sermon illustration. Um, we did have a fantastic time. Uh, I just want to thank the congregation so much for uh, empowering us and sending us. And um, there's so many people that made this happen as far as uh, folks that have donated items or time, uh, prayed for us. Uh, as, as someone told me, um, you know who gets the glory. I said, absolutely, absolutely. Um, if you have a Bible, open up to 1 John chapter 4. I'm going to start here. I'm going to close right here. So 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7.
Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world, so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Uh, A mission trip, and really the whole life of a Christian, is, is all about the love of God, knowing it and experiencing it and sharing it. And it is impossible, as we read earlier in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, it is impossible to truly love people without knowing and loving God. See, if I love them in my own power, if I, if I love them out of some sort of obligation or duty, then I quickly turn cynical and cold-hearted. Oswald Chambers said, Beware of counterfeiting the love of God by working along the line of natural human sympathy. And we walk this line so finely on a mission trip because you go to serve and you know that you're going to see people that are impoverished and they they live in poverty and darkness both uh, physically and spiritually, uh, sometimes mentally, emotionally. And yet the call is to love people, to, to love them in the same way that God has loved us. And in our own power, in our own strength, this is such a difficult, really it's an impossible task. You know, one, one day, I think this was on Tuesday, where we're working out in uh, this little village, Juana Vicenta, in our medical mission team. Uh, we've got our uh, doctors in, in the church building. We've got our pharmacy and a little tiny um, shack, would you say, uh, right next door. And that's where all of our pharmacies, we've got all the patients go. After they see the doctors, they go over there and they wait for their medications to be uh, checked and delivered to them. And in, in the back of the pharmacy, back with all of our medicines, uh, is our five-gallon jug of water. Now, there's nothing more important on the entire mission trip than your water. It's, it's your source of life. It's, it's everything. And if you, Dr. Cash isn't here, so I can talk about him. Um, if you don't drink enough water like Dr. Cash, uh, you will die at some point. You know, and, and probably I'm not going to be surprised. One of these years on a mission trip, we're going to bring home Dr. Cash in a casket because he didn't drink enough water on the trip. It's just going to happen. Um, and so our, our bottle of water is in the back of the pharmacy, and, and our girls have been outside in this open, you kind of saw probably very bright green, lush uh, field right in front of the church. And the problem was that there's only a, a solitary tree, and there's no shade at all aside from that. And so you have a bunch of parents and grandparents sitting um, underneath the shade of the tree. And then you have our girls uh, and uh, probably about 50 kids that are just out in the sun all day long. And they're playing and they're coloring and they're singing and they're singing, you know, all this great stuff together. Of course, naturally, and and, and we got there about 9 o'clock in the morning and we stayed until about 4.30, 5 o'clock that night. Um, So later on in the afternoon, some of the kids start getting thirsty, which is not surprising. 
Now, if, they, if these were my children, they would have asked for a drink of water after about 30 seconds. These kids went about six hours without having anything to drink. And then they found out that the jug of water was in the back of the pharmacy, back where everybody's pulling the medications, trying to get stuff together. And so they're sneaking in the back door one at a time, holding up a cup, asking for water, and you give them a little cup of water, and they'd run out, and immediately another little kid would run inside, ask for some water, holding the same cup that the kid before him had had, <laughs> right? Because we had said, well, no, if you bring a cup, you can have some water. So, and, and, then, and I look out, um, it, some of our pharmacy crew is getting a little bit frustrated, right? Because they're trying to work, they're in a 120 degree building, and that's probably not an exaggeration. Um, they've been on their feet for hours, they've, uh, they're pulling all these medicines, they're checking, making sure everything's right. And now all these kids are coming in, and when kids come in, they're loud, they're um, sometimes a little bit whiny, uh, and, and they keep asking for water, and they're interrupting, and they're kind of tugging on you, hey, can I have some more water, can I have some water, can I have some water? And I look out, and, and again, we told them, you know, yeah, if you, if you get a cup. Well, there were kids that were walking out the door, going down the street, finding a cup on the ground, picking it up, and walking back for me to fill it with water for them. And finally, we, we just, okay, it's too distracting. We're telling the kids, you have to know. We can't do any more water. You have to leave. And, and then this verse came to my mind. Matthew chapter 10, verse 42 And whoever gives one of these little ones even a cup of cold water because he is a disciple, truly I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. This is the words of Jesus. Here I am kicking kids out of a building, telling them they can't have water. And the words of Christ are, if you give them that water, you'll not lose your reward. So we did kick them out of the building, actually. We took the whole five-gallon jug of water, we put it out in the open, and we made sure we had plenty of water for everybody to drink. But... Um, just part of the experience of serving on a trip. And again, in my own power, in my own efforts, and, and in the kind of the heat of the day, the frustration of the moment, it's so easy to look at this child and go, you know what, you're probably not going to die if you don't have that drink of water. You know, I, I, I kind of look at them like I look at my kids when they ask me for a snack, you know, five minutes after they have breakfast. You know, you're, you're okay. But, but here's the words of Jesus. Even if you give one of these little ones a cup of cold water, you will not lose your water. And that's kind of, uh, to me, the, the whole idea and the whole point of, of a mission trip is, is experiencing and seeing, getting to put your faith and the love of Christ into action. You're going beyond yourself. Again, in, in myself personally, um, I'm probably one of the most dark-hearted, cynical, uh, critical people. Don't nod in agreement back there. <laughs> that you will ever meet. That's just who, that's just who I am, right? But through Christ... He's enabled me and empowered me to love others in the same way that he has loved me, which is this sacrificial, never giving up, unending love. It's such a privilege, a privilege to serve in that way. And, and really, the, the, the rock stars, um, the, the whole secret of the sauce is that everybody steps in, everybody helps. You know, the, the spirit is palpable and it's, um, it's contagious. You know, where you don't even have to ask a single person to do anything. This is the easiest group of people that you'll ever have to lead because everybody's trying to outdo one another in service. It's incredible. You know, if you want to see a picture of the body of Christ in action, you know, come on a trip with us. It's fantastic. It's amazing. Um, but, but the way, the reason be, is because we know the love of Christ. We have the love of Christ. We've experienced that love ourselves, and we're there to give it away to whoever we can find. 
so again, to our congregation uh, who have so faithfully supported us. Um, we started out with a group of eight high school and college students uh, 11 years ago uh, to the Dominican Republic. That's now grown into, um, you know, if you saw the picture in here, uh, we took 34 folks down with us. Trip Salami was missing from the picture because he was off talking with some other Dominican kids. Um, but uh, find somebody in this picture at lunch, uh, sit down at the table with them, go talk with them. Uh, people have so many great, awesome stories. You know, I have just a couple. Bo has seemingly a thousand. Uh, Dave's got some. Uh, everybody's got some about the trip, how it impacted them, what they saw God do uh, in their time together. Let's pray. Father God, we are so grateful that we serve a God who loves. And not just a God who loves, but a God who is love. And Lord, that we can know what love is because you have loved us. That you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, in the ultimate act of love, to die on our behalf. To save us from our sins. Lord, we're so grateful for that and we pray that, that out of that love would flow our love for the people around us. Lord, it doesn't happen on a mission trip every day. But Father, you do give us opportunities each and every day to love those near us, to love our neighbor, to love a stranger, to share the love of Christ in a very real and a very tangible way. Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities that you've placed before us. Lord, let us not take for granted the love that you have for us. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen.